0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right, fantastic. So uh, next week when we come, we're going to uh, take some time to pray specifically into the new regulations that are being proposed. And so uh, Jesus describes us as the church, which comes from the word ecclesia, which is the called out ones, which was a Greek word to describe the people who made decisions on behalf of the city. So it was the place of government. And so Jesus uses this known term, ecclesia, and he says, you are the ecclesia. you are the church. In other words, there's a realm of authority that's given to the church in terms of making decrees, declarations, and decisions. And so next week, we're coming together to make some decrees and declarations about the future legislation that's going to affect each and every congregation in South Africa. And so there's new legislation that's been proposed that would keep us in a permanent 50% occupancy rate for churches. And we say we, we say, we don't want to buy the label "state of disaster," just like we didn't buy junk status." Remember that? Yeah, Come on. A trillion flowing in because we're not junk. We're worth something. Okay, So we make decrees and prayers and declarations. And so we want to make some prayers and declarations next week with regards to the the legislation that's being proposed. And then we're also going to give you some opportunities to raise your voice to be heard uh, in terms of uh, some feedback that the government is looking for. They might not necessarily be looking for the feedback we're going to give them. But we're going to give it to them anyway. We're very kind and generous. We're going to give it to them anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, just come, come ready for that next, uh, next week. You see, we're, we're living in remarkable times. We're living in fast-changing times. The world is very different now from what it was even three weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, on the 1st of March, the world changed. Yeah. You see, three billion people decided they were no longer going to be part of the master. The card. Do you guys watch the news? Oh, he told you don't watch the news. Oh, yeah. Um, so let me just catch you up. So on the 1st of March... Visa card and MasterCard decided they were not going to participate in the eastern markets. And so they stopped all transactions, Visa and MasterCard. And so what happened immediately, Russia and China and India, which is three billion people, got together and they're on a new financial platform. In one weekend, the globe changed and it's never going back. Nothing to be afraid of, just to recognize the world is changing super, super fast. And there were prophetic words that there would be shift and change, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. But praise the Lord, he has put us here in sunny South Africa. It's amazing. I'm telling you, God's favor and kindness on us is extraordinary. Like there is not one single nuclear warhead that's pointed at Joyburg. Yeah, yeah. So we, we sleep, we rest in the Lord. We're in a place of great peace and His kindness and His favor is on, is on us. Okay? So we don't need to partner with fear and anxiety and all those kinds of things. Because the world actually wants to get on that hamster wheel again. But we decided we're not getting on that one. Let me try this side. We decided we're not getting on that one again. Yeah, we're, we're, we're done with fear. We're done with anxiety. We're done with those kinds of, of systems that want to bring, you know, oppression. And we want to trust the Lord that no matter what the circumstances... No matter what is at play, he is our father. And he's a good father. And he takes care of his children. So we look to the Lord more than looking to what's going on in the natural. While we do that, it is also wise, good for us, to understand the signs of the times. It's like the tribe of Issachar. They were a prophetic bunch. To understand... To read the signs of the times and to know what to do. So, the time, it's the time for rejoicing. It's the time for enjoying his peace and his favor. And to walk in the good things that the Lord has for us. Yeah, so, so good. You know, that time of worship that we had this morning, just by way of explanation, was stepping right into what the Lord has for us as his people. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we get, we get to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. So he said to his followers, hey guys, here's a really good way for you to pray. Our father, it's not not our boss or our judge or any of those things, our father, relationship. Yeah? And not distant, remote, no, family, our father who is in heaven. Hallowed, honored, worshipped, glorified, magnified is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes? True prayer. Yeah? So we're praying that the kinds of things that are going on in the heavenly realms actually break into this realm. On earth, what's going on in the heavenly realms. And so around the throne... It's just worship, continuous worship. And they're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Hmm? Remember Jesus said, hey, the Father is seeking those who will worship in spirit and in truth. So we want to worship, yes, knowing truth is like understanding. But also in the spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15 says, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, I will also sing with my mind. So there's a singing with our mind, we've learned some songs, we can think through it, great theology, we're singing truth, we sing with our mind, but we also have opportunity to sing in the spirit and with the spirit. Hmm? This is 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 14. Chapter 14 comes after the love chapter, chapter 13, right? And in this whole thing, he's talking about, hey, you know, I can have, you know, all kinds of languages. I can even speak in the language of angels, but if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. Remember that passage? Okay. So the point is, it's not about, hey, I can, you know, speak in tongues, I can Speak in the, in the language of the spirit, in a heavenly language, and live like an absolute bozo. That's his point. His point is everything must be done in and from a place of love. Okay. So, as we love God and we love one another, we get to participate in the language of the angelic realm. The heavenly realm. And so as we begin to sing in the Spirit, we sing in other languages, other tongues that are given by the Spirit of God. That heavenly environment crashes into this environment. We get a taste of heaven on earth. Yay! And so we want to make room for the Holy Spirit to lead us and to, uh, to be uh, guiding us in our time of worship. And so the musicians, it's not like they forgot the words there. You know, they, they pulled back, they gave us an opportunity, they gave some space for us to, to be led and to be guided by the Spirit of God. And we know that this is a really, really good thing because God the Father is God and Jesus the Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. And they work in complete harmony and unity. Absolute, undivided in their agreement with each other. So what the Father is doing, Jesus is also going to do. And what Jesus is doing, the Spirit is also going to do. So remember Jesus said, listen, I don't do anything unless I first hear or see what the father is saying or see what he's doing, right? And then Jesus said, it's really good that I go away because when I go away, another one just like me, another as me, the parakletos. When he comes, he will take not of his own stuff, but he will take from what I give him and he will give to you and he will lead you into all truth. And then Jesus said, but actually what I got, I actually got from the father. So there's a complete unity between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Spirit. So if Jesus is building his church, what do you think the Holy Spirit is doing? He's doing exactly the same thing. So we don't need to be afraid of Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit is in complete unity and harmony with the purposes and the objectives of the Father and the Son. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. Yay! so we sing in the spirit and that's what was happening this morning first corinthians 14 singing in the spirit awesome stuff little little foretaste of that heavenly realm crashing into this realm and jude he says you know what guys actually When you pray in the Spirit or you sing in the Spirit, when you're in the Spirit in that way, you build yourself up. Something happens on the inside. There's a strengthening that comes to you in and by and through the Spirit when you are engaging in the language of the Spirit. So there's a benefit. I mean, we're coming to worship Him. But as we do it, I mean, God's always the giver. So we come to bless Him and to worship and to honor Him. And as we do that, there's an exchange that takes place. That's why when we, when we leave an environment like this, we always leave better than when we came. Always. We're much more energized. Come on, how many of you, you've come into an environment and you just dragged yourself in. You're kind of like, oh, I really don't feel like it. But if I don't go there, John's going to be asking, like, where were you? <laughs> there was your community connect group. Kind of like, oh, okay, you away for the weekend again? It like three weeks in a row, but. Yeah, because we care for each other. That's what family does, you know. If you don't pitch up for supper, like I check with the family, like, are you okay? You missed supper. You do that in your own family? Your kids go missing? <laughs> yeah, you check up. Like, are you okay? You missed a great meal, you know. It's amazing. We had Lamb. We had the bread of life. Yeah. Okay. So when we come together, there's a feasting that takes place. But in this thing, there's a strengthening that takes place on the inside of us. We always leave better than when we came. Always. It's not possible to be unchanged from being in his presence. Oh, I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. Okay, so I do actually have a message for you. Would you turn to Acts chapter 3? All right. Acts chapter 3. Pulling on last week, where we were in John chapter nine, and um, of course I always do enjoy being in John's gospel. Uh, but in John chapter nine is the story of this guy who was born blind, and then Jesus heals him. Yeah, now in Acts chapter three, there's a guy who's been lame since he was born. And we see in Acts chapter 4 and verse 22, it says that this guy had been lame for over 40 years. Yeah? That's a long time. Remember the 40-year story? We were looking at that in different ways, kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? 40 days, 40 years, giants, wilderness, all these kinds of things. So I think that there's something there. They haven't quite figured it out yet, but the Holy Spirit's going to help us because I think there's an an additional thing of revelation that's locked into why specifically mention the 40 years. But this guy had been lame for a generation. We also, if you think about it, this guy, well, I'll tell you what, let me read you some of the story. And then we'll, and we'll go to it. Is that okay? Otherwise, okay, just go to verse one. Acts three. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him their full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as though if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and you asked that a murderer, that's Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. That has completely healed him. As you can all see. Oh, isn't that powerful? Wow, wow, wow. Okay. A number of things that I think we can take from this particular account in the scriptures. You see, these guys were regular guys. Peter and John. They were regular guys who had been with Jesus. You see, last week we were looking at a miracle that Jesus did. And of course, I mean, you'd expect Jesus to do miracles. But now, we're digging into the truth that followers of Jesus are doing miracles. This is a testimony to encourage us that we too, as followers of Jesus, are called to release healing. You see, we are made in the image of God. True? Right. And God reveals himself as the healer. Right? Fantastic. God himself, by the Spirit, Jesus, lives inside of us. So the healer... Is living inside of us. And he. Releases through us. Healing. In this world. Because he's wanting other people. To come into contact. With his goodness. We are to reveal. Who he is. His image. He's the healer. And we represent him we represent him as we represent him to the world and they see something of him in us and he's the healer and so we're carrying if you like the healer inside of us everywhere we go and every now and then healing leaks out of us yeah we're here to infect the world we're here to change the world. We're here to give them a touch and a taste of who he, he, he is, his goodness. Okay? So, James and John, as, as uh, I was going to say, as, as, as good preachers, they said, we don't have any money. <laughs> but that's not true anymore. That's not true. I'm so glad that's not true. I'm so glad the church of Jesus Christ has come to a better place of maturity. Yeah? I was going to say, my poor dad. When he was a, a minister way back in the day, he, one of the the pastorates that they went to, there was a was like a, a board and uh, the heavyweights, you know. And they, they said, you know, God will keep you humble and we will keep you poor and between us and God, we'll get you to heaven. So the mentality of long ago from religion was that to be properly holy, you have to be poor. Praise God that we've corrected that thing because that mentality is pointing a bankrupt father who cannot take good care of his children come on man that's a nasty thing yeah religion always wants to pull down and tear down but life wants to build up apparently he said I've come that you might have life and life more that's a little clue there yeah okay so These guys, they're carrying something that's worth much more than money. This guy had a profound encounter that changed his life. You kidding? Of course, yes. But the amazing thing is this guy, he'd been there for generations, And think about it, Jesus himself went to the temple. The chances are that Jesus had actually walked past this guy on his way to the temple. Now this makes me just think and dig a little bit because Jesus always healed everyone who came to him. Jesus had a 100% healing record. So was it that this guy didn't want to reach out for healing? I don't know. know, Did Jesus use a different gate to get into the temple precinct? Don't really know. But it's interesting. Perhaps, maybe Jesus left this guy so that one day God's glory would be seen. That he left something. I mean, he could have done it all. But he actually leaves things for us to do. He doesn't need us, but he uses us. Isn't that awesome? Yeah? Listen, he can supernaturally, sovereignly just zap, and every sick person on the planet would be healed. He's God. He could do that. But he chooses to partner, to co labor with us as we look to him and we follow him, and he works through his people. Oh my goodness, that you would use us. That's astounding. But he chooses to do that. That's absolutely magnificent. Yeah? So, these guys, they release healing, and instantly, you saw that in the, in the text, yes? Instantly, his feet and his ankles were healed and were strengthened. Love that. You know, we want to trust the Lord. That we're going to see healing take place. Dramatic healings. And it will be instantaneous. We're good with a slow recovery. Listen. The objective is to get well. So whether you're using medicine. Doctors. Hospitals. Fantastic. The objective is to get well. Right? Yes. The objective is to get well. So... God has blessed us with some really clever people who work in the medical field and they're not enemies of God. They're actually co-laboring to see healing come on the planet. doctors are friends. We shouldn't even have to say these things. But it's amazing how many people have so, you know, the pendulum swung to the other side. It's kind of like, well, it can only be God and it can't be anything of man. It's kind of like, where do we get that from? That's crazy theology. That we should exclude what God has put inside of people that they could live out their very passions and their giftings to actually bring glory to Him through what they do. Yay for doctors. Yay for medicine. Yay for healing. The objective is to get well. Alright, so this guy, very interesting, he'd been there begging for 40 years and he'd, uh, he'd seen Jesus perhaps, we don't know. He'd seen the, the apostles and the new believers walk past there because they went to go and pray 3 o'clock in the afternoon as was their custom. And they would do it on a daily basis. But it's interesting, it's just like, like that was the day. You know, some of us, we've been carrying something for 40 years. There's been an area in our lives where we're lame, where we're crippled, we're not in complete strength or health, whether it be emotionally. Whether it be physically, mentally, whatever it might be. Something that we've, in a sense, been dragging around with us for a long time. Hallelujah. But there comes a day. There comes a day. And so, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I went up and they prayed for me once. Yeah, that was 10 years ago. It's kind of like, well, how about we go and we ask again? Oh, no, listen, I've had this for so long. Forget it. Prayer's not going to work. Really? Imagine this guy. He would have missed out on a supernatural healing. So even if you've been carrying something for a very long time, it doesn't mean that God can't bring healing to that area. This is powerful, man. We're going to shift our mindsets. You know, sometimes we been praying for something for, you know, again and again and again. And we almost want to kind of pull back and say, well, you know what, maybe God doesn't want to do this. Or maybe can't, God can't do it. No, no, that's a lie from the enemy that's wanting to steal our faith, our trust, and our confidence in the Lord. That his power is more than capable of bringing healing and freedom. This is a beautiful testimony. This guy had been there, right there, like at the temple. The place where God said, "I will put my name, I'll put my presence there," He went there forty years or so. I mean, we don't know when they first, you know, started carrying him there. You know, some of these child beggars—they they start young. He'd been doing it for pretty—it was a long time. Imagine, you know, he'd got so accustomed to it. Some people are so accustomed to their dysfunction that they actually don't want to get healed. Their identity is in their dysfunction. And so there isn't the faith to actually go beyond and to imagine a new or a different world personally. I was telling uh, the first service uh, a story from, from my dad. Uh, in the in the sixties, he uh, supernaturally, the Lord broke into into their lives, and 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 a healing revival broke out in in the early sixties, and just the most astounding and profound healings that took place. One of them was this uh, this particular guy worked for the harbor in Port Elizabeth. Uh, we as a family, we grew up in East London, but this was pre that year. I wasn't even a twinkle in my dad's eye when this was, you know, he was still a young man. And uh, before he was married as well. And um, so the, the guy involved in human resources for the, the port in Port Elizabeth... Uh, had been working on a particular case, I think it was about three years, getting all the documentation because somebody needed to be boarded, you know, put on early retirement, but with full benefits. And so this whole long story had, had taken place. And uh, I was going to say unfortunately, but fortunately for him, he ended up being in one of the church services and he got instantly healed. So now there's a dilemma. Because he can't take early retirement. (laughs) And he can't be boarded. Yeah? It's kind of like, what am I going to do now? His identity was suddenly shaken. Yeah? Not everybody wants to be healed. Not everybody wants to be helped to change their ways. They just want to be helped to continue in their dysfunction. This is crazy stuff, but it happens, right? And there's more to the story. So the guy who was involved with human resources, he made an appointment and he came into my dad's office and he threw down like reams of paper, like files. And he threw it on the desk. He says, you just ruined and wasted three years of my life because it had taken him that long to put the case together. It's kind of like, what? He says, yeah, this guy got healed. You know, and how did he deserve it? Meanwhile, my wife, who's a saint, has been bedridden for three years. You see what was going on? His anger and his bitterness against God because his own wife didn't get healed. But this guy, who should have been boarded, not, you know? So they prayed. I don't know if he was a believer, but anyway, they prayed. Story goes, when he went home, couldn't find his wife. She wasn't in bed. She'd been bedridden for three years. They found her hours later. If if I remember the story correctly, she was wandering around, still in her nightgown, wandering because... She had suddenly been healed the moment that they prayed. Wow. Can you say wow? Wow. Exactly. You see, that was the response of the people. This guy who'd been begging for close to 40 years, depending when they first put him out. He'd been lame since birth and he was over 40. And they're kind of like, wow, aren't you the guy who was begging? What a contrast to the other guy. Remember the guy born blind? And they're kind of like, they couldn't recognize him. Like, are you really the guy who was blind? And we can't recognize you. Call the parents. Parents, is this your kid? It's kind of like, yeah, are we going to get into trouble? He looks like our kid. Yeah, we'll claim him. Do you remember that? John chapter 9. So here everybody's kind of like, oh my goodness, we recognize you. You're the guy who used to hound us at the gate for money. And and the religious people, they get so agitated with this guy because they always had to give him something. Yeah? Because the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they always like to do their acts of kindness, their good works, they're giving in front of other people. Yeah? In the Bible, when the Bible talks about good works, it means your acts of giving. Mm? So they like to do it in front of other people so they could be seen. They were also lovers of money. These guys are torn. like so give money, people adulation. Uh, don't want to lose the money. I want you to like me. Uh, can I get change, please? <laughs> These guys are taunted by this guy who's there all the time. And so they recognize. And so this causes a great commotion. We'll come back to this next week, I should imagine. But the Sadducees are absolutely like freaked out by this. Because they don't believe in the supernatural. (laughs) Come on, there's so many people who don't believe in the supernatural. I'm trying to land it and tell you 20 things at the same time. You see, when you don't believe in the supernatural and you don't believe in a God, you get really messed up when things... Begin to test your thinking. So the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) So can you remember the different groupings, right? The Sadducees didn't believe in supernatural, didn't believe in the resurrection. And so Peter is just saying, hey guys, this guy who you killed, Jesus raised him from the dead. Kind of like we didn't believe in the resurrection, but we see this guy standing here. You're saying it's in the name of Jesus. Oh, we we'd better do a bit of a fact check thing around this. Come on, contextualize it. How did they handle, like, we don't believe this thing, but we see it in front of us. Like, oh my goodness, we better stop and rethink. Crisis. The supernatural brought in a crisis and made them stop and think. It provoked them. Some of them are provoked in good ways. Others are provoked in bad ways. But the supernatural, when it crashes into this world, is going to provoke a response out of people. Yeah? It's like when you don't believe in God. You see, a lot of our academia is based out of Greek thought. Where we separate out the natural world from the spiritual world. And so, you know, we believe whatever, scientifically, what we can measure, what we can examine. But you can't measure and examine the spirit world, so therefore it doesn't exist. So therefore there is no God. So when you take these things to a full-on extreme, guys, this is what we're facing in the world right now. Okay? Stay with me for a couple more minutes. Can I have a few more? Okay. You see, you wonder and you kind of look at the, uh, the hearings to choose somebody for the Supreme Court in the USA. So the USA was the number one superpower. And and so like the Supreme Court is meant to be the people upholding justice. And when they interview the candidate and the candidate says, "Uh, you want me to give a definition of a woman? Oh, sorry, I can't do that, I'm not a biologist. It's a true story, happened this week, yeah? It's kind of like, what do you mean you can't give the definition of a woman? You want to be a judge on the Supreme Court for life, how on earth are you gonna defend women's rights if you can't even define what a woman is? Oopsie. She didn't realize it, she thought she was being so woke and so clever, but she fell into a trap. Now, probably she still will be nominated to the Supreme Court, But sometimes the Lord allows a civilization to go to an extreme so they can actually inherit and get everything that they were pushing for. Not Not necessarily what he wants to give them, but sometimes he leaves people to actually get the very thing that they wanted. Not everything we want is good. So you get to a place, like actually we can't even tell, male, female, woman, we don't know. Why? Because we don't have place and space for the spirit realm. Just want to measure, scientific. So therefore we've got no place for God. Therefore we've got no place for made in the image of God. So now we just make it up. We just came from primordial soup and we just evolved into this thing and you know we just don't even know what we are anymore. Can you see how things progress? Just like the Sadducees. They had some wrong thinking going on. But when the supernatural crashes in, it causes people to have a rethink. Other things we'll hopefully get to next week. But the people are astonished. They're astounded. Kind of like, but... Man, we've seen you here for 40 years begging you were crippled. How is it that you are now leaping and jumping and praising the Lord like from one moment to the next? It wasn't a gradual recovery. This was instantaneous. It completely like, whoa, what's going on? And the people came running to Solomon's colonnade. That is the place where the believers used to gather. Hello. Where the believers gather God is going to do some supernatural healings and people are going to come running to where the people of God are gathered. Kind of like, what is going on here? This is defying all logic. And then the message about the Messiah can be given. And we can confront people's wrong thinking because they didn't have a grid for it like the Sadducees. But we see the evidence in front of us. Oh my, I better change the way I think. Yes, that's called repentance. Repent is change the way you think. Yay, it's a time and a season of repentance and refreshing. And the Lord is gonna release supernatural miracles in and through the body of Christ to grab hold of people's attention. They've been lame for a generation and it's time to get healed. Amen, won't you stand? Can we just praise him? He's the healer. Yeah, Lord, we just praise you. We just bless you. We acknowledge that you are the Lord of all. You are mighty. You are powerful. You are the healer. And we look to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing great things. And even in our day and in this time with so much turmoil in the world, you are crashing in and you are making those things that are crippled and lame, you're causing them to be healed and to be strengthened. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would begin to work in our hearts and in our minds and cause us to have a hunger to yearn for these same things to take place in our day, in our time, in this place. Thank you, Lord, that prophetically we declare many multitudes are going to come running, looking, because they're astounded, they're astonished at what the Lord is doing. So we say, Lord, do it again in our day and in our time. Would you work powerfully? Thank you, Lord, that you use ordinary people in those days and you still use ordinary people today. Thank you that you've called us as ordinary people. You're calling us to co-labor with you, to partner with you, to see things shift and change in this city and in this nation. So we say, here we are, Lord, use us. And would you be the one to receive all the honor and all the glory? So as we go from this place, we're asking, Lord, for your healing to come and to break into our lives firstly. And then through us, to our families, to our work colleagues, our friends. Lord, let the supernatural break out in Joyburg, even from this week. Whole nother level, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you released peace into our hearts and our minds, even through our worship today. Thank you that you've lifted off anxiety and depression and oppression. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. We ask that that peace would flood our hearts, fill our minds. There's no place for lies, intimidation, and anxiety. We're so filled with your peace. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good father. May your provision be our portion for each family in this week. And in the months to come. So we give you praise. We give you honor. And all God's people said. Amen. 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 Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah.